Ruben de Boer is a conversion optimization manager from the Netherlands and he made the switch from client side to agency side last year when he started working for online dialogue. He's the author of a zero uni course with over 2000 students and uh, the course is called the complete conversion rate optimization course. So quite some experience there and today I'll be discussing with Ruben how to motivate your organization to adopt Zero, and his claim that in Zero we need a thousand times more focus on organizational change. My name is Kiri Janssen and welcome to Zero Cafe, the podcast where I show you the behind the scenes of optimization teams and talk with their specialists about data and human driven optimization and implementing a culture of experimentation and validation. In case you missed it, in the previous English episode, I spoke with Khalid Saleh, author and CEO of Invest, and we discussed on how to find the things on your website that are really broken. You can listen to that episode on the Shiro Cafe website or in the podcast app that you're listening with right now. This episode of Shiro Cafe is made possible by our partners Convert.com, Online Dialogue, Sidespect, Online Influence Institute, and Content Square. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 29. Yeah, Ruben, welcome back to the cafe. And for those that missed the first Dutch episode with you, can you give us a short introduction of your journey into Zero? Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me again, uh, Guido. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. Uh, so my name is Ruben de Boer. I work as a conversion manager at uh, Online Dialogue, Zero uh, Consultancy. And uh, I've been doing this Zero uh, for over 10 years now. Uh, I love the, the combination of psychology, data, making an impact, but also helping people and organizations in Zero. I've been working as a Zero manager uh, here since September last year. Before that, I was the head of Zero and UX at Sanema, which is one of the biggest publishing companies in Northern Europe. Yeah, so you, you switched from client side to agency side. Yeah, I switched to agency side, yes. How, how is that um, experience now? Actually very good because... Um, um, a lot of diversity, uh, a lot of smart colleagues from which I can learn even more again. And I have the opportunity to help more uh, organizations and uh, helping and uh, making people enthusiastic for experimentation validation is yeah, something that uh, is one of my biggest passions and it gives yeah. me energy and a lot of joy. So good. Good to hear. Very, very happy and, to uh, hear yeah, it the trigger for this uh, podcast or prompt, if we uh, want to stay in uh, BJ Fogg uh, terminology, uh, was uh, your your article on LinkedIn, um, and we'll link to that in the in the show notes, uh, with the title "How to Motivate Your Organization to Adopt CRO," and one of the lines in that is that uh, what was your trigger to to write that and um, uh, your experience with uh, uh, doing this with uh, with multiple companies. Um, is that you say we need a thousand times more focused on uh, on organizational change? A thousand times—that's a lot, Ruben. <laughs> uh, so uh, tell us why is that? Of course, a thousand times is not uh, evidence or fact based. <laughs> uh, what I try to make clear with that line is that it, it could be nine hundred ninety-nine times. Exactly, it's something yeah. around that number. Yeah. Now, what I try to what I try to say with that line is that that we as CRO specialists we need a lot more focus on motivating the organization and really setting the stage for experimentation and validation. Um, we know so much as CRO specialists. We know that over 75% of the releases on websites results in uh, no conversion changes, or even hurts conversions. Um, we know what CRO maturity looks like. We read about it in blogs, in presentations. We know how LinkedIn does it, how Booking does it, Microsoft, other great companies. Um, but still, I see so many CRO specialists and teams struggle within organizations there 
somewhere in the corner in the back of the uh, of, of the organization doing their a b test but not really motivating the organization to adapt the mindset and adapt the culture of experimentation and validation and to be successful in our line of work i think that is vital for us so basically there's a there's a, this weird gap between what we work on with the websites and how we work with the organizations that we work within yes indeed and uh, i think it's, it's it should be part of our jobs and a big part of our jobs to to teach the organization and to change that culture and the mindset of the organization but it's hard and it's very hard but as zero specialists we already know quite a lot about it actually yeah, we should be able to do this <laughs> exactly we, we know a lot we know we, we have the mindset we we know how to change behavior because we do it constantly and daily on our websites um now we need to use that knowledge and use that in our organization and in your blog post you mentioned uh, you, you created a small model uh, um, uh, to do this and uh, um, uh, partially based on, on uh, well, also including uh, system one versus system two uh, to Im- implement this. So how can, how can we use system one versus system two to do to help us do this uh, within organizations? Well, actually, system one and system two is, of course, where, where the struggle begins. Uh, for the listeners who are not familiar with it, uh, system one is our primal brain, our, our, our brain we have uh, for many years already. It's our instincts, our reflexes. And it's the strongest part of the brain. Rule of thumb is that 95% of our decisions and choices are made with system one. System two is our rational brain. And that is the brain that can reason. It can think in past, present, and future. It can think if I go to the gym now and keep it up for, for, for months to come, next summer I'll have a six-pack. A matter of saying. But this is system one and system two is where, where the struggle begins. Because um, system two knows what's good for us and what we should do. But system one is not is more focused, is only focused on the present. Um, so for instance, if you want to go to the gym, um, you have this plan in your head, if I go to the gym three times a week, I'll get fit, uh, have, have a well-trained body. Uh, but when the time comes, when you have to go to the gym, you start having that conversation in your head where you know it's good for yourself to go to the gym, but it's raining or that beer tastes pretty nice or yeah. not enough. And Netflix I already movie. cycled to work. So basically I already did some exercise. Exactly. So, so <laughs> behavioral change often fails because it could be because system two doesn't know how to change. It doesn't know what to do. It could be that system one is not motivated enough. Uh, it's more motivated in the here and now to do something else. Um, and most of the times, it's a struggle between the two systems. Yeah, and basically, the the system one also wants to pre- preserve energy, right? That's that's in those thousands of years of evolution. That's what it's uh, trains and learned to do. There's not enough food. Uh, should be careful with that. Should be very careful at what I spend my energy on, specifically with exercise. That's um, it's usually hard to do. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Why should I do that no, now? Exactly. And that's also uh, what I mentioned in, in my blog post, which we referred to. That was, that was a research that was really shocking to me, is that even in life and death situations, we have a really hard time to change. Uh, and that's because of that struggle. You had an example from uh, from the medical field with people being diagnosed with a, a terminal illness. Yeah. That, that could be fixed uh, by tr- changing their lifestyle, right? Yes, exactly. It's it's patients with uh, clogged arteries, and it's, that's a serious condition. It's really painful and starts starts getting more painful and it results in a in an early and, and painful death um which is horrible it's absolutely horrible um but the doctors say that that people can uh get rid of the pain and can uh have a healthy life and grow old if they change their lifestyles so though start starts doing more sports stop overeating 
stop smoking, stop alcohol, uh, less stress, uh, and more relaxation in their lives. Uh, so live a healthier lifestyle. And if those patients do that, almost everyone can survive. Uh, but research shows that only 10% survives. So behavioral change is that hard that even in life and death situations, um, we are horrible at, at changing. And it, it should make us think because we as CRO specialists and, and data analysts want to change the mindset, way of working and the culture of a whole organization. So in order to realize that it's something we should take serious and therefore the line we should spend ten th- or a thousand times more uh, time on organizational change. Yeah, because usually buying something online or trying to change an organization into doing more experiments that doesn't really sound like a life or death situation. So no, exactly. Should, the score will probably be even worse than just 10% uh, converting to actually uh, doing that. Exactly, exactly. So it is a, it's a hard challenge, and uh, but it is vital for, for our success as uh, as CRO specialist and data analyst. So, and in your uh, model, you uh, you talk about basically three elements, uh, three parts of, of where you can implement uh, changes. That's the physical environment, social environment, and uh, rewards. Uh, so, can you take us uh, through those? Let's start with the physical environment. What, what can we do there? Yeah, uh, physical environment is of course uh, very well explained in the book uh, Nudge. Uh, we can change behavior through tweaks in the in the physical environment. So. In a, in my uh, in a conference presentation which I gave uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I gave the example of something I did with uh, within the company I worked at five six years ago, and I was the first CRO specialist there, and uh, I had to set up the experimentation uh, work and process within the company. There was just one problem: the company wasn't even data driven yet, but they had a huge amount of data. So what I did, a tweak in the physical environment, I got a monitor and I placed it at a spot at the entrance of the company and everyone had to pass that address at least six times. You have to pass it to go from one side to the office to the other side and you go to the toilet, when you go to the cafeteria, when you leave the office. And I placed a, uh, a monitor there with a live Google Analytics dashboard. So that had three advantages. First of all, uh, you see data at least six times a day. And because it's a live dashboard, these numbers flash because they update constantly and what flashes draws extra attention. Second, um, there were different product teams and product owners uh, who were responsible for parts of the website. So I showed the page views for uh, each of those sections on the website. So I created some sort of internal competition because if you would pass the data screen and you see that you get the most page views, of course, you would start bragging about it and teasing your, your colleagues uh, a little bit about it. So it was a physical tweak with, with a social component to it. The third one uh, was the first, the third advantage was perhaps the biggest one is that visitors also saw this dashboard. Uh, and then we get the nice bias that if we enter company and we see data being shared, we automatically assume that the whole company is data driven. So all the meetings with visitors started with visitors notifying that we are so data-driven, including the the meetings of the board of directors. So the board of directors constantly heard several times a day, wow, it's so cool how your organization is so data-driven and that you share data. So by placing a monitor at a a spot where everyone sees it, uh, it's a tweak in the physical environment, which resulted in people being more data-driven and making it easier for me to set up conversion rate optimization. Marketing budgets have suffered, and the share for A-B testing has been impacted too. If you want to keep testing to enterprise standards, but save 80% on your annual contract, you can consider Convert.com. With their summer release, you can take advantage of full-stack and hybrid features, strong privacy compliance, 
Noblink and enterprise-grade security. Feel good about your smart business decision. Invest what you save back in your CRO program. Check out www.convert.com slash 2020. So basically, you start at the end <laughs> with showing the nice graphs, and then hopefully <laughs> everyone will become uh, more. Dead. Yeah, I, I I did this. Um, I have a similar experience, although I did get some uh, backlash in the sense that um, well, you can just you can just start doing this without even having uh, perfect data because the the monitor also incentivizes people to to think about hey, but this this data point it's not correct or it's not actually showing the real value that we should be optimizing for or something like that. Then you can say, okay, yeah, that is true. We know this, but we don't have this data yet. So <laughs> let's do something about that. So it can spark a conversation. Uh, but it can also uh, be a bit tricky that people uh, think they're, they're more data-driven, more data-capable than they actually are. <laughs> yes. So yes. you see them, see them using numbers that, um, and they use that in, in certain ways that, well, I've I've said I've said at many presentations. I think, okay, you're using data, but that's not actually what the data is saying. <laughs> no, exactly. I fully agree with that. I I, li- I like your creative interpretation of the data, but <laughs> no, I, I fully agree. And I think uh, Marianne from the two group said it as well in the, in this podcast. You have to you have to be careful with with uh, what kind of data you show. But but um, even if they use the wrong data, they do use data. It's the same as yeah, it's a starting point. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the, it's the same as as you do. You try to change an organization. You you get resistance, yeah. and resistance isn't good, but it's still involvement. Yeah. So it has to start somewhere. But coming back to that, um, uh, I think we have to use that experimentation mindset in our organizations. Uh, within change uh, management, there are a lot of models. Um, like I said, Marian's presentation was excellent. She showed the six steps. We know the eight steps from John Cotter, which is a very famous book from the mid nineties. Um, but it works different in every organization. These steps are basically, actually it's expert opinion and best practices. And from our AB tests, we know that's not, that, that doesn't result in the most winner. So we should use different tweaks and methods and see in our organization what works. If a dashboard works for your organization, use that. If it doesn't, Try something else. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's an email, a daily email you need to send out, or exactly, exactly, or have a host a competition on which test won, and have the have a, have the the charts hanging somewhere in the office so that everyone sees it. Um, um, display uh, designs of a B test and have people vote with post its on which which will win. Um, you can think of several reasons yeah. uh, to tweak the fiscal environment, but do experiment and. Uh, uh, to see what what resonates in your organization, what works in your organization, what doesn't exactly, and and just get started, right? I mean, um, uh, we, I think people like us tend to be a bit careful in this, and in, in the sense that uh, okay, but the data isn't perfect <coughs> yet, or we can't run. Well, it probably cannot be a, a, a proper A/B test that we can run within the organization. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It, we have we have physical constraints, or we cannot uh, split them in, in in proper groups or something. Uh, but just try these things. You, you'll you'll see um, how these things pan out, and and hopefully um, the change is big enough that you can see uh, a result without having the actual numbers <laughs> and significance <laughs> to show that. No, no, I, I I totally agree with that. We we uh, I mean, when you have to experiment, you have to see what works in your organization and what doesn't. But some things um, will most likely work and are proven as well by by science. And and one of those is 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 you need to find proof. Yeah. 
I mean, if you cannot prove that A-B testing works for your organization, then you can mention that, that LinkedIn does it and Microsoft does it, but it will not resonate. Um, so, so if you're a, a one-man army, uh, one-man CRO specialist organization, just start doing as many A-B tests as you can. Learn to code if you're too dependent on development uh, because you can use that as a proof that works. And again, you can play nice games. You can uh, you, uh, show it in presentations. You can make people guess which test won. Um, but yeah. proof definitely is one of the things that will work and you need changed organization yeah, yeah and, and like i said just just things like a, a dashboard or, or something like that showing them uh the current status of all things do do spark conversation and and uh, a bit of um uh hopefully uh fun fun um yeah exercise or or challenges between the the, the teams uh as they see what the numbers are for, from the other team <laughs> Uh, that does work, yeah. Yeah, uh, as we mentioned, uh, do a uh, test experiment what you show, what data you show. I mean, it might, might be different from higher management compared to, you, to your direct colleagues. And that as well for higher management. If 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 your management is, uh, if the salary is dependent on 95% on bonuses, for instance, yeah. um, they probably want to see more business cases and winning tests and uh, percentage of, rev- of, of conversion revenue uplift. Whereas maybe if they are uh, not so dependent on bonuses, and this is just a, an example, maybe they want to be more involved within the experimentation process. Yeah. Or maybe you have to test the idea. So it works different for every organization, but but like we said, we should spend more time on it and do get started as soon as possible. And uh, so so physical environment, try to, try to uh, change things there. And then social environment, uh, I think we dipped into it a little bit already, but... Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, as, as mentioned in the blog in my, in my presentation, social environment is also something we, of course, know from our work as, as conversion specialists. Um, we, we've seen our A-B test. We've seen it on, on many websites, rev, uh, ratings, reviews, testimonials. Uh, they change the behavior of people. Um, so do think about how you can use that within your organization. Um, get the people who are enthusiastic together and host brainstorms together. Uh, have a lunch and learn together, uh, come up with test ideas, uh, hypothesis, start a community, get people together and uh, involve people. And again, how? It depends on your organization. You have, to, you have to try it out. But we know as conversion specialists that, that social proof, social validation, it works. We know the community building works. Uh, and we know that people change their behavior once they're in a community. And yeah, show show what works, show what our others are doing. That's basically uh, basic social proof uh, tactics, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And what I really liked, <clears throat> what I also said in, in my presentation, um, one of my clients, uh, Swiss Sense, the conversion specialist there, Sasha, I think you know her as, as well. Yeah. Uh, at the end of every A-B test report, she shows the names of the colleagues and the scores of the Witch Test 1 competition. <laughs> so that is really smart because it sets a social norm. Because if all your colleagues are scoring points and you're not, you will definitely participate next time or try harder to, to guess the right test winner, inclusive or loser. Yeah. Uh, and that's also a very smart way to set, with a small tweak, set a strong social norm to get people more involved and more thinking about what you're testing. Yeah, we, we also did this at, um, uh, at Randstad where we, uh, where we ran tests and we, we just uh, we let the person that came up with the test or executed the test and let them present instead of someone uh, the, from the CRO team. It's, it's not just us doing this. It's 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 a whole team effort of, of people in, in the countries that run the test or think of these tests. And uh, that really works, yeah. 
yeah, it worked, that works really well. Uh, indeed, to give people a stage and to present, yeah. but also for yourself as a, as a conversion specialist, um, we know from the very basic psychology, Cialdini, uh, that likability and authority are, are very important. So be humble and uh, help people instead of when I see a lot of uh, a lot of times happens when when a colleague comes comes up with a test idea. And we are like, okay, is this based on, on data? Is it based on user research? No? Okay, we'll, we'll put it somewhere in the back uh, and at the bottom of the test uh, backlog. And we'll, see, we'll notify you when we test it, which will then never happen. Um, we also tend to say to, for instance, uh, UX designers from, okay, now from now we're going to experiment and validate everything. So you're not allowed to put your designs straight away live anymore. And that doesn't work. You have to be nice. You have to be likable to to get people to follow you. Instead of saying this is not some, this is you're not allowed to do this anymore. You can also reframe it as, hey, together we can improve your designs. And instead of saying no to to ideas based on gut feeling for people who want to get started with experimentation, do test those ideas for once. Because if you hear a no from someone when you try, you 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 put effort into it and really try to finally start experimenting as this converse specialist kept telling you, and you get a no for your test idea, Yeah, we're not going to get people on board. Yeah. We're not going to motivate people. So from a social perspective, also look at yourself and be likable and be an authority and do help people and help your colleagues. Be humble. Yesterday's brainstorm was so good. I really liked Steph's idea of running that test on the call to action buttons. Making them orange will really make them stand out, don't you think? Yeah, right. Do you want to design real A-B test winners and achieve enormous conversion uplift? Then stop brainstorming and take a scientific approach. If you can read Dutch, follow the steps in Online Influent, the bestseller on managementbook.nl. Or enroll in the author's course and become an expert in applying proven behavioral science yourself. Go to onlineinfluence.com for more information and free downloads. Yeah, often when you start, especially with uh, designers or marketeers or uh, developers, you know, the, the, the usual <laughs> environment uh, we work in as a zero specialist, um, when you start out, it, to those people, it feels like either you are attacking their, their work, it feels, it feels exactly. very personal, um, or it feels like you're giving them extra work. Like, okay, we're going to design A-B tests, so we need, I don't know, a couple of variants uh, for the, the thing you were already building, but now we want that times two, three, four. <laughs> so yeah, it feels like exactly. it feels like a lot of extra work. Well, yeah. actually, if you if you frame it a bit differently, you say, okay, but in, instead of designing this or developing this whole new system, let's let's start with an MVP. Let's let's start with a, a smaller thing where we can, uh, but still big enough to validate uh, whatever we want to uh, uh, validate, and 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 take it from there. And then actually, after a couple of months, they start realizing. Uh, well, actually, this saves a lot of time, especially for developers. I think it saves a lot of time if we start yeah. out with small things, validate them. Hey, it's actually not working, so let's not start this building this whole massive thing that's going to take us three months. While we can also just spend like three days validate it. Oh, it doesn't work, or or make it better, or whatever. But whatever the path is, but it, it can save a lot of work too. Yeah, exactly. So so always have people uh, give give the feeling that people are still in control themselves, give them autonomy. Yeah. Uh, because they don't like to be told what to do. We don't like that. No one likes that. Um, and make the change as small as possible. Um, so don't be too harsh on them when their statistics aren't perfect. Don't be too harsh on them when 
when their test idea is not based on on a, on a research or scientific research um, and train those people. Um, those who are enthusiastic, train them, bring them together uh, in a fun and engaging way. So make the change small and, and give them a sense of autonomy. Otherwise, yeah. they're, they're just gonna, it's going to backfire. Yeah, for those people creating that content instead of... Um attacking well it's not not attacking but it feels like attacking their whatever they come up with you can you can ask them like okay what are your biggest unknowns about what you're making what are the biggest doubts that you have about your audience or your the content that you have or the biggest audacious things that you would otherwise never do but what what would you like to do but you don't want to or can't because i don't know brand guidelines or whatever uh (laughs) and help them um um yeah, bridge that gap of knowledge uh, with with doing your experiments or user test or whatever you use to validate, yeah. um, and help them in that. So they they start seeing, hey, this is actually helping me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the the third one in your in your model is uh, rewards. Yes, yes, um, and rewards are very very mixed evidence uh, for that. Uh, you have the punishment and rewards, of course. Um, what I really liked is uh, research by Steve Tomko, which he mentioned in his book, Experimentation Works. Uh, there they actually did research on rewards, and maybe this is more of a management thing, but if there are clear rewards, um, people start experimenting more. When there, when there are mixed signals, so you do say like, hey, experiment more, but in your uh, assessment about your work and your evaluation, uh, you mentioned that the, the uplift is not high enough, uh, that will backfire, but Rewards being salary, promotion, positive assessment, compliment, uh, that sets people, can help people to start experimenting. Um, and of course, this is more on a management level, uh, those rewards. But as converse specialists, we can also have fun with giving rewards. Like for instance, when someone, uh, the best test idea gets a cake or or uh, the one who wins the wish test one competition gets a, gets a bottle of wine. Um, yeah, do see there was these rewards as trying to start building habits. Yeah, exactly. So, then like uh, like Tomka says in his book, it's, it's more about rewarding the the process than actually rewarding the outcome because that's that's more difficult or it will change over time and you'll you'll have ups and downs. We all know that, um, but it's a process that you want to um, um, yeah to motivate people to do. Yeah, definitely do focus and and, and motivate the the, the process. Um, if you look at goals, the goals can be useful. Um, but uh, in Formula One, everyone has the goal to win, but there's only one winner. Uh, so it's the process that makes the difference. Yeah, and, and that makes uh, people more motivated. I think if, if you give that cake or whatever to the person that's just sent in one idea and that by accident uh, had, a, had a nice effect, um, that's not going to be motivating to the person that's that sent in 20 ideas <laughs> uh, b- based on research. Uh, that happen to not pan out uh, all of them but uh yeah yeah try to combine something people want with something people have to with something people have to do and if you think about it wisely if you for instance give a cake it's a reward but if those colleagues are nice they'll share it around with the, with their department which again is a tweak in the social environment do you already see companies doing this uh, rewarding people um, um actually rewarding people with with uh, bonuses or or uh, in salary or whatever they do uh, to reward people in in their quarterly reviews or yearly reviews do you see companies doing that uh well other than than the companies we all hear about in 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 the presentations and the blogs uh no i don't see companies doing that yet but i hope i hope companies will do that but but to realize that we do again need to 
spend more time on organizational change (laughs) and to motivate people to start having this as a culture and a mindset. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else you want to add for, um, um, on the model? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually thinking about adding a fourth layer and it's, it's something, uh, a fourth uh, besides the fiscal, the social and the rewards. And it's basically uh, the, the, the full environment, so uh, ruling. We, we see it now with, uh, with the COVID-19 crisis. I mean, due to rules set up by the government, um, we are all of a sudden able to change our complete lifestyles. Yep. Um, and again, it's more on a management level, probably. But uh, if you set a ruling that that for every sprint you need at least one experiment, yeah, of course, people start uh, changing their their behavior. Um, but I think the model as is now, I think it, it's it's a, it's a good umbrella to start a discussion within organizations to to start more to have more focus on organizational change. And like System One and System Two. It's a it's an easy model for something that is extremely complex and extremely big, um, but it does give a great understanding, and I think it works as as an, like I said as an umbrella to start generating ideas with your team uh, to come up with with ways to to motivate the organization to adapt conversion rate optimization and experimentation. Yeah, no one no one can ever say oh, but that's that's too big of a change. We can never do that. No one will ever adapt. Well, do you remember COVID nineteen? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world changed. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, a very interesting time from a behavioral science perspective. And uh, yeah. at online dialogue, we have several psychologists, and we have great fun having discussing seeing what happens. Uh, and all of a sudden, we, we can change. All of a sudden, a lot of things change, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, um, well, well, thanks for, for explaining the uh, model uh, to us. Um, uh, so, what, what are you working on the next uh, couple of months? Any n- new courses or...? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep making courses. Uh, as you know, like I said in the beginning, I love helping organizations and, and people. And with online dialogue, I can help a lot of organizations. Uh, for, and in my free time, for the people that don't know, you have two two courses on Udemy, right? Yeah, yeah. In my free time, I like to create uh, courses which help people to get started and excel in conversion rate optimization. Who don't have the huge budgets to pay for expensive business to business courses. Um, and I really love to, I like doing that. I get a lot of positive uh, feedback from people all over the world who uh, benefit a lot from uh, from my course. So I really like that, but. But what I like to, what I will focus on is, is, is in the coming months is this. Uh, to, sum it, to sum it up in three points, I really think we should use our knowledge to uh, motivate organizations. And we already have a lot of knowledge. Um, I think we should spend more time besides experimenting on, on, on motivating organizations. And I think, or actually I know that, that besides having a testing plan and a test roadmap, we should set up a roadmap for changing the organization. Uh, put it in the calendar and evaluate with the team, brainstorm with the team and experiment what happens and uh, what works and what doesn't work. And this will be my focus. Um, I will focus more on this in the coming months, years and, and write more about it and uh, uh, explore more about it and help people hopefully, and organizations with that. That sounds like a, a very good ambition uh, for, for just a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be years, but, yeah. but I think it's it's something we have to do together as well. Um, yeah. if, 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 if more and more organizations start adapting this mindset and this culture, we do realize a big environmental change 
which again helps other organizations to, to to adapt it and and to thrive in CRO and get more organization enthusiastic and to be successful in our line of work for everyone we have to do this and we have to inspire each other and help each other doing so for over 10 years now online dialogue advises about evidence-based conversion optimization with a focus on data and psychology we see that analyzing data and recognizing customer behavior results in a better online dialogue with your clients and a higher roi The team of strategists, analysts, psychologists and UX specialists gathers valuable insights in the online behavior of your visitors and together with you they optimize the different elements of your CRO program through redesign, expert reviews, A-B tests and behavioral analysis. For more information about their services, go to onlinedialogue.com. I'm a firm believer that this is the core problem why most zero uh, programs fail. Exactly. Why, why agencies fail or, or internal zero uh, uh, people fail is, is because of this. Yeah, I fully agree. Because they, 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 they weren't able to get their colleagues or management um, uh, buy into this. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and we, we see it now as well in, in this crisis. One of, the, uh, one of the teams that gets cut is uh, in some companies is conversion optimization, which is weird because there's so much research that if you invest in growth in time of crisis, you'll do great after the crisis. Um, so there's still, we have so much knowledge, we know so much, uh, but as we start off, there's still a problem there. Exactly, and, and, and now specifically, there's a lot of behavioral change like we just spoke about. Yeah. So th- th- we need to figure out as a company, you need to figure out what is changing. Exactly. <laughs> what are the, the change priorities uh, for my customers? What are they... Uh, uh, feel about this? Uh, what, how, how are they acting differently? And this is specifically the moment that you should invest in these kind of things. Exactly. And we can help with that. We can do the research and see how behavior has changed and we can help our colleagues with that. We can help customer support if they get too many questions ready to go with. We can, we can make change on the website uh, for people to get the right information so they don't have to call. We can help our colleagues. So again, yeah, help people uh, be humble and uh, in that way, motivate them to start experimenting and validating. Now, if you're listening to this and um, are a bit inspired, uh, hopefully uh, to to learn more about this, uh, there will be a, a video from uh, Ruben in the, in the show notes. And I'll also include uh, the books that he also added uh, to his um uh, to his article on LinkedIn. And uh, there's five books. Uh, you already mentioned uh, um, a couple of them. There's Switch yep. uh, from Chip and Dan Heath. There's Thinking Fast and Slow from uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, our our Zero Bible. There's Drive from uh, Daniel Pink. There's Nudge uh, from Tara and uh, Sunstein. And, and there's Atomic Habits. And before we started, you already said, okay, you want to remove one and add another. Yeah, and not necessarily... <laughs> no, I- <laughs> I don't have a limit of five, but uh, sure, let's go with it. Why do you want to remove one and which one? No, no, not remove one. Uh, if, if I have to keep it to five, I'll remove one, but <laughs> let's make it six for now. I yeah. recently finished uh, the book, The Science of Organizational Change okay. uh, from Paul Gibbons. And he looks more at a scientific uh, proven methods to change organizations. Um, it's a long read and he does like to... Uh, uh, show that other writers and models are not working. <laughs> uh, so that makes the book a bit lengthy, but the theories that he explains that, that work from uh, science-based, evidence-based, those give great insights in uh, what you can use uh, for your organization. So if it, if I can make six books, then definitely add that one as well. <laughs> so so when you say it's, it's, a, it's a long read, so how long is it? Uh, I think <laughs> is it's an enormous... Uh... Yeah, 330 pages i think but oh that's fine 
let me let me have a quick look uh 379 according to amazon okay. that should be fine right it's not an easy read i thought switch which is my favorite book on this is subject and most of the model is based on switch it's really easy and nice read um thinking fast and slow which a lot of people have read and and this one the science of organizational change is a bit harder to read so if I'd say choose one book, choose Switch, start with that. Yeah, those books usually include a, a bit more storytelling, right? That makes them easier to read. Exactly, exactly. The good thing about those books based on science is that there are a lot of notes at the end. So basically it's not 379 <laughs> pages, but there's 20 pages of notes and references yeah. to scientific articles. So, so I also like that uh, with uh, uh, Stephen uh, Tomka's uh, experimentation works, right? There's a lot of science-based uh, things in there, although I think his book... I mean, he also works for Optimizely. That's quite obvious when you <laughs> when you read the book. There's there's a lot of Optimizely examples in there, or clients in there, and also a lot of it's, it's, and also booking is highly uh, featured. Uh, <laughs> full, full, the the full chapter on booking, indeed. Yeah. If you remove all the Optimizely and booking things, I think uh, you you end up with half the book. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a good read. It's a good read. Exactly. No, I uh, I agree. And what what I like about that book, and I think we should grow to that uh, as as uh, as a uh, uh, CRO community. Uh, is, is experimentation outside the website. So you also mentioned like television screens in waiting lines and, and such uh, experimentation in Olympic gold winning SIL teams in the Formula One team. So yeah. uh, I like that about the book that he also mentions experimentation besides our websites. And I think that's something important as well for us. Yeah, I, I really love that. Um, that was basically the, the study that I did, uh, applied cognitive psychology is that didn't do anything with online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all, all about offline uh, nudging and, uh, and experimentation. And that was really fun. And it's also what I like uh, when you go to, uh, for example, well, well uh, areas or, or buildings that are very well thought out are, uh, are um, airports. Uh, and casinos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are two examples of, of uh, there went a lot of thought in, in the design and in um, because there are a lot of people there that might not speak the language, so you you cannot do basically anything with with uh, uh, language. You need to have uh, a proper symbols for things. Uh, the wayfinding there is very important. Uh, in, in terms of uh, airports to find your gate, the yeah. fastest way to do that that's yeah. really important. So so ceilings and. Uh, floors are, are aimed to help you uh, do that and uh, casinos actually um, try to keep you inside as much as possible yeah. um, if, if you've ever been to a casino there's not a lot of windows <laughs> there won't be there won't be any clocks no, no, no. <laughs> things like that no, if, you, if you want examples of, of, of great physical tweaks go to an airport and uh, try to spot them all <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> uh yeah try that Ruben, thanks so much. Uh, we'll include all those uh, books and the links uh, that we mentioned uh, in the show notes. And um, uh, I would say uh, good luck uh, with um, with trying to implement this. I uh, hope to hear and read uh, read more from you about this topic. And uh, we'll probably talk again soon. Yes. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And this concludes Season 2, Episode 29 of the Zero Cafe Podcast with Ruben de Boer from Online Dialogue. Although we started out as a Dutch podcast, we are putting out more and more English content. And if you want to skip all the Dutch gobbledygook, please go to zero.cafe slash English to see an overview of our English episodes and to subscribe to get notified about new English episodes. If you're interested in promoting your products or services to the best Zero specialists in the world, please take a look at zero.cafe slash partner to see how we can collaborate. Next week, we'll have another English episode in which we are going to discuss experimentation statistics with Georgi Georgiev, 
owner of analyticstoolkit.com and author of the book Statistical Methods in Online A-B Testing. Talk to you next episode and always be optimizing.